God good. All right, awesome. Hey, we've got the children's church going again, so uh, if you've got kids, send them on over there. Uh, our children's church workers are so awesome. Give them a hand if you would, and uh, all the kids are going to go out that way. And uh, they have a wonderful lesson for them. The rest of you, I will uh, try to make this, uh, well, I don't want to say painless because, you know, if the Holy Spirit convicts you, that's, that's on the Holy Spirit. Amen. So uh, hopefully it won't be too painful, all right? What I want to give you, that my job is to give you the truth, whether it's painful or not. Amen. So uh, we've been talking the last few weeks about uh, relationships, in particular marriage. And uh, even if you're not married, you need this because I know that hopefully you're going to be married one day. I know everybody in this room hopes to be or, uh, and you know, uh, but even if you're not married, even if you say I'll never be married again, this could really apply to all relationships. All right. So it's basically about how to get along with people. All right. How to learn to disagree and get along. How to, and I think uh, living in our culture today, in our world today, one thing people have forgotten how to do is they've forgotten how to disagree with each other. Uh, it is seen now, if I disagree with you, then I hate you. That's a lie. Nothing can be further from the truth. I have many, many wonderful, dear friends that I disagree with politically, religiously, on a lot of levels, but I love them dearly, and we love each other dearly. And even though we don't agree and we don't see eye to eye, doesn't mean I hate them, doesn't mean I'm a racist, doesn't mean any of those things. We've made it where all of these tags come on today. And I'm here to tell you, just because we disagree, we may not see eye to eye, but we can disagree all day long, and I love you. Before social media showed up, uh, we could disagree all day. If we wanted to have a discussion on politics or religion, then we would look each other in the eye, and we would have that discussion. If you wanted to know my opinion, you asked my opinion. And I didn't give you my opinion unless you asked for my opinion. But guess what? Social media showed up, and we think everybody ought to hear our opinion. Can I burst your bubble? Most people don't care what your opinion is, amen? Uh, we think more highly of ourselves than we ought to. That's in the Bible. We should not think more highly of ourselves, amen? So my opinion matters to me, but it may not matter to you. Guess what? All, all of our opinions matter, but guess what? It's your opinion if I want you to give it, I'll ask for it. That's why I have a tendency to not give my opinion unless you ask for it. I figure if you want it bad enough, you will come ask for it, and then I'll be glad to give it to you. You don't necessarily have to agree with it, but I will give it to you if you ask for it. Other than that, you won't see me posting a lot of my opinions on social media. You won't see me necessarily telling what I believe my, my opinion is and everything, because quite honestly, I've come to realize as I've gotten older Instead of finding out how smart I am, I found out how stupid I am. And I'm really dumber than I thought I was. And guess what? My opinion doesn't matter a hill of beans. There's only one person that opinions matter, and that's God's opinion. Amen. So guess what? You Look at my social media posts. They're pretty boring. Amen. We're going to talk about marriage today. We talked about uh, keeping our covenant. We talked about uh, getting along, learning how to disagree. Uh, the greatest part of marriage is not learning how to get along. Uh, most of us can get along pretty good. It's learning how to not get along. It's learning how to disagree. So what I just talked about of what we need to learn in our culture, we need to learn it in our marriages. One of the greatest things I see break marriages up is they don't know how to disagree. They don't know how to work things out. They don't know how to sit down and have an adult conversation and 
compromise on things. Amen. And as I told you last week, when I sit down with couples to uh, do marriage counseling, uh, usually it's, well, you need to fix her. Well, you need to fix him. And I tell them right off the bat, that ain't how it works. Uh, you fix you. You fix you. That's all you can do. You can't fix the other person. And guess what? It's not even 99.9% .9 of your issues are not right or wrong. They're just two different views of opinion. And you've got to learn how to compromise and how to get on the same page in spite of those differing opinions. I told you last week, opposites attract. So guess what? Do you think your spouse is going to disagree with you? Yes, probably on about 99% of things because the opposite that attracted them to you that was so cute, those cute things, guess what? As you get married a few years down the road, they ain't so cute anymore, are they? Amen. And so we understand that, and we got to understand that it is learning how to disagree, learning how to compromise, learning how to get those things together. So today, the, uh, the title is Kick the Devil Out, all right? Because one of the main problems is the devil don't like your marriage. Amen. The devil hates you. Uh, in fact, go ahead and put that first slide up. The enemy hates everything that matters to God and to you. If it has anything to do with God, the devil hates it. All right? And he hates you not because of who you are. He hates you because of who you belong to. All right? And so he hates you. Uh, we've already gone over this scripture. The enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy every good thing in your life. And that includes your marriage. Uh, it is no coincidence that we see the breakdown of our society goes right along with the breakdown of the marriage, of uh, families, all right? And as the families break down, as marriages break down, you begin to see society start to break down, all right? Because the families and, uh, and our marriages are supposed to be the foundation of our our Christianity and the foundation of our country, all right? And so uh, the enemy hates marriage. Uh, if you paid attention to your wedding vows, God was in there. It wasn't just you and your spouse. It was you, your spouse, and God. You were making a covenant with God if you're doing it the right way. And so it matters to God. It was a covenant with God. And therefore, again, it is a godly union. And that's why Satan hates it. And he wants to tear it apart. All right. So let's look at our first scripture. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 11 and 12. All right. It says this. It says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Next verse, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age. Anybody feel that in our society today? There is a war going on, and it is not a war of flesh and blood. It is a rulers uh, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. So let me start off this by saying this. Your spouse is not the enemy. Kelly's the only one who agrees with me, amen? <laughs> That's a smart man right there, all right? <laughs> Trying to help you out here, men. Your spouse is not the enemy. Thank you. Thank you. Your spouse is not the enemy. That is not who you're fighting against. Now, you may say, well, that's sure who I'm yelling at. That's who I'm arguing at, you know. But the real enemy is not your spouse. It's the devil. You are fighting just what this says. You are fighting a spiritual battle. Now, guess what? Now, the enemy, how does he do this? He'll get in and he will make every one of your differences He'll turn a little molehill into a mountain, won't he? He'll take all those little bitty differences, 
you know, I, I used to love, uh, I was telling them in uh, Sunday school, my wife, she's type A personality. She makes a list every day, and the greatest day for her is when she checks all the boxes on her list. Amen. And I just, you know, I'm the exact opposite. You know, I'm just a free spirit. I'm kind of a hippie, fly by the seat of my pants. Let's just all have a good time. Amen. And I just thought, you know, her, her, uh, her energy level and that type A personality was just so cute when we were dating. It just was, it was a wonderful thing. It just, it was so endearing to me. Now, what do you think happened about, oh, two, three years into the marriage? It was not so cute anymore. Amen. Especially because a lot of those boxes and a lot of those lists involved me. Amen. And involved me having to do things I really didn't want to do. Amen. So, uh, but this is how the devil will get it. He turns those little cute things, those little uh, small things, those small differences, and he will turn them into things that just get under our skin. Amen. And we just don't like them anymore. And it's those little things. It used to be so cute the way they used to brush their teeth at night when y'all are both standing there getting ready for bed. And now you look over there and you oh my God, it's disgusting. You know, how can you brush your teeth that way? You know, um, you know, somebody they got, they look like a rabid dog, you know, the way they're brushing their teeth. You know, Julie can do it so neat and so precise and Nothing gets out here, amen? So all those little things that were so cute to begin with, they become very annoying habits and annoying things. And guess what? Most marriages I know break up. Now, you know, obviously there are some things, that, uh, marriages that break up over the major things. But what I find is a lot of times marriages are breaking up over a million little things. And instead, because they did not spend the work and the time to work on their marriage, work on their relationship, those little millions of little things have chipped away and chipped away and chipped away, and they have drained you of your love for each other. And many times I get couples in my office and couples call me and just say, I don't think I love them anymore. Well, guess what? I, you know, that, does, that isn't giving you a free pass. Many of people think, well, I'm not happy anymore. Surely God wants me to be happy. God's not near as concerned with your happiness as you think he is. God is concerned with one thing, that he received the glory, that his name behind lifted up. And the best way for you to do that in your marriage is to stay married. Does that mean you'll have to work at it? Yes. Does that mean some days I have to suck it up and I have to love her in spite of she's really getting on my nerves? Yes. Does that also mean the next day will probably be her turn and she'll have to love me in spite of driving her up a wall, driving her crazy? Yes. That's work. That's marriage. On the best of days is extremely hard work. Now, if you wake up one day and you say, I don't just love, I just don't think I love them anymore. Don't put that to nature. Don't put that to just, that's because of you. You didn't put the work in. You didn't put the time in. Now, listen, you can look at the spouse and you can say, well, it's their fault. Only person you can look at is look right in that mirror. Look at that mirror and say, because the only person you can work on is you. And when I do marriage counseling, a lot of them don't like it. Some will come for the first session and they won't show up the second session because they don't like Because I say, you can't fix her, you can't fix him. What I need you to do is go home, look in the mirror, look at yourself, and say, how can I work on me, and how can I become the best version of me, and maybe that will affect my spouse. That's all you can do. And really, that's the best thing you can do. 
because you need to work on you. If I become the best husband I can be to Julie Trammell, then what do you think that's probably going to do? That's probably as I change and I become the best husband and father I can be, that's probably going to have an effect on my wife and it's probably going to change her. And it's probably going to change her attitude towards me. It's probably going to change the way she looks at me. She will begin to see some favorable things as she sees more of God in me and less of my flesh in me. Amen? So that's the way you do it. That's A lot of people don't like that answer. They just want you to fix the other person. And listen, you're broken and your spouse is broken. Can we just say that at the outset? You're a mess. Your spouse is a mess. You're both a mess. Not one more than the other. You're both a mess. If your marriage is a mess, you both have to take some blame and some credit for that. All right? So guess what? Here's what we need to do. Work on it. And the first thing we're going to tell you is you got to get the devil out of your marriage because he wants to put those things in there to make you not be in love with your spouse anymore. All right? So that's what we're going to talk about today. Uh, whatever God blesses, Satan curses. Whatever God loves, Satan hates. All right? So if you're struggling in your relationship, if you're frustrated with your spouse, if you are angry with your spouse, if you are upset with your spouse, if you're hurt by your spouse, if you're afraid of your spouse, if you lose trust in your spouse, uh, remember that your spouse is not the enemy. You are fighting a spiritual battle, and uh, you need to plan an attack. In the same way that the enemy is planning an attack on you, you need to plan an attack on the enemy. Now, let me ask you a question. If you were at your home tonight, and you heard a window break or a door break, and you realized that somebody was breaking in your house, and you realized, and somebody had sent you a text that day and said, I see you, I hate you, and I'm coming for you tonight. Now, if somebody had sent you that text, and then you get home that night, and you hear a window break or a door break, what are you going to do? <laughs> are you going to be passive or are you going to be aggressive? All right? You're going to be aggressive. So guess what? The enemy is coming at you. And the enemy has already told you he's coming after you. Let me put it this way so maybe you can visualize this. The enemy has sent you a text today and says, I hate you. I hate your spouse. I hate what you stand for, and I'm coming after you. He has already sent you that text. You already, you've got the word of God. You know it beyond a shadow of a doubt. Now, who in their right mind, if somebody started doing that to them, would not say, you know what, come here, let's have a family meeting, we're going to set up a perimeter, and we're going to get a plan here, amen? Now, why do we not do that in this spiritual battle? Guess what? The enemy hates you, he's coming for you, and he wants to tear your marriage apart, so set a plan of attack. Set a perimeter, and you've got to plan. Guess what? You would set up uh, cameras. You would set up alarms. Uh, you'd have your gun loaded. You would be ready for that attacker. If he'd given you a warning, you would be ready for that attacker. You would be ready for the attack, all right? So guess what? I'm telling you today, the enemy hates you. He's coming after you to tear your marriage up. Be ready. Set a plan of attack, all right? Well, what do I do, all right? Well, let me give you some uh, scripture. First Peter chapter 5, verse 8. And it says this, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. All right? So he's coming for you. He wants to not just hurt you. He wants to destroy you and eat you. All right? All right. So um, 
the devil uh, never announces his attack. Now, that scripture is a warning. God's trying to give you a warning. But guess what? The devil will not send you a text. Now, God may send you a text, but God may send you his Holy Spirit and say, an attack's coming. But guess what? The devil doesn't like to announce his attack. The devil wants to come in the back door or the side door. He doesn't want you to see him coming. Amen. Now, what does the devil do? What does sin always look like to us usually at first? Looks pleasing. Looks beautiful. It usually comes in a nice, pretty package. It usually comes. Uh, listen, uh, and we're, gonna, we're talking mainly about marriage today, so I'm going to say this. Uh, if God is going to tempt you, uh, I mean, if the devil is going to attend, tempt you with an affair, it's not going to be an ugly person. It's going to be somebody that looks good to you, looks pleasing to you. Now, uh, here's what I'm going to go over, too. you got to understand, sin always looks pleasurable. Sin always looks good. The devil's not going to announce it. The devil ain't going to show up, as my mama says, in horns and a pitchfork. Amen? Because then you recognize him. The devil is always going to show up in a nice, shiny, beautiful package. What is the proof? We love shiny things, don't we? Ladies, oh, if it shines, all the oh, man, we love it. It's shiny. Amen? Now, men, don't get too much on your high horse. Oh, shiny pickup truck. Mmm. Shiny fishing reel, mm, shiny new hunting gun, amen. So it's all about the shiny stuff. And the devil is a master at putting the shiny stuff out there, and it gets our attention. It looks very, very good, all right? Can I tell you this? The devil will send you a distraction. Uh, the devil often attacks with distractions and seductions, okay? So we've got to understand that. Now, listen, here's the thing. The devil will try to get you to compare your spouse to others, all right? So here's what you need to understand, all right? I want you to look at me, and I want you to understand something, okay? Now, why do people have affairs? People have affairs for two reasons. And the reasons that men have affairs and the reason that women have affairs is two totally different things, all right? So I'm going to warn you, this is what you need to look out for. I'm going to speak to the men first. Men, God wired us to be very visual, didn't he? Amen. He wired us to be very visual, and that's why men really struggle with pornography, those type things, because, again, men, we are wired visually, all right? So men, when, uh, when men are tempted to have an affair, it is usually a visual thing. Now, not, not totally and completely, but with men, there has to be that, that, uh, that visual connection first. And then it can go on to, well, she says nice things to me, and she tells me that I look good. My wife never tells me that. She tells me I smell good, amen? Uh, now, guess what? That, that lady at work, she don't never see your underwear on the floor. She don't never smell your nasty, stinky, sweaty socks when you take them off at night, amen? So the grass is always greener on the other side. Why is the grass greener on the other side? Because there's a septic tank over there, amen? So be careful when you jump over there. But the grass always looks greener, all right? But again, they don't see the whole picture. But with men, affairs start very much on the physical side, all right? Now, women, totally different, all right? Women are wired emotionally, all right? Women will begin to have an affair emotionally before it ever becomes physical. 
because women are drawn by men who tell them how pretty they are. Uh, we just connect on a certain level. There is a romantic. Why do women love romance novels and romantic comedies? Because they're wired. They love that, and there's that emotional connection, all right? So the reason that men and women have affairs can be totally different, but guess what? You have to guard against both those things. So men, you have to understand, I need to put up safeguards for me visually. Women, you have to put up safeguards for you emotionally, and we need to understand that, okay? We'll be a lot better and a lot safer if we do that. Men, put up safeguards, again, uh, on, on your devices, on your phones, on your things like that. Put up safeguards uh, against pornography. Put up safeguards at work. Uh, if, uh, if there's somebody at work that flirts with you that uh, is, is kind of seems like that is inappropriate, that's out of control, ask to be moved to another department. If you can't get moved to another department, go look for another job. You say, really, to that extreme? Yes. Is your marriage that important? Yes. Could it cost you your marriage because you didn't remove yourself from a situation that you felt was getting dangerous? Yes. Your marriage is worth it, everything. Your family is worth it. If, if you need to get away, you need to get away. That's what that verse says. If your eyes causing you to sin, pluck it out. And well, isn't that kind of extreme? No. It's get away from whatever. Do you, remember they, uh, do you remember Joseph and Potiphar's wife was trying to seduce Joseph? And what did it say Joseph did? Joseph literally runs out of his clothes, buck naked, to get away from her. Joseph knew one thing, I got to get out of here. I got to get away from this. Amen. Joseph was a man of God. He knew what was happening. She was trying to seduce him. And he just said, I've got to remove myself from this situation, clothes and all. Amen. Now, I don't mean run out of work naked. Amen. Uh, but I am saying it, remove yourself from the situation. If you have the power to remove yourself from something that the enemy wants to destroy you with, why would you not do it? Why would you not do it? Anybody in here ever been in recovery for anything? We're all addicts to some degree to something. Amen. What is the first thing they tell you? You go to Celebrate Recovery, Alcoholics Anonymous. They tell you you must remove yourself from the situation. If you're an alcoholic, you don't need to be in a bar. Amen. You need to remove yourself. from. The, that's the only way you're going to stay sober. And so you have to remove yourself from the situation. Why should it be any different with sexual sin or being drawn to have an affair and ruin your marriage? Amen. So we've got to learn to remove ourselves from the situation. One of the things the devil will do is he will try to get you to compare your spouse. That guy at work, he just he tells me I'm pretty all the time. Again, he, he smells good. He just is always complimenting me. My husband never notices anything. I had my hair done last week. I bought a new dress. My husband didn't notice anything. But that guy at work, man, he notices everything. He knows every, Yeah, he notices everything all right. And guess what? It is not with the right motives. Amen? Well, you know, that, that girl at work, man, my wife never, it's like she doesn't even respect me. And this girl at work, she, now again, what, what drives men and women? Women, it's very much... Uh, you know, it's looks, it's tell me I'm beautiful, it's security for a woman. How do you build a woman's security? You tell her how pretty she is, you tell her uh, how great she is and what a privilege it is to be with her. All right, with men, it's totally different. With men, men need to be respected. I need to feel like you respect me, that you honor me. 
And if, if I feel like you think I'm a buffoon or a clown and that's the way you treat me, then you have, you have broken me, all right? So again, totally different the way men and women are wired. But guess what? You need to know, what it, why do you need to know that? You need to know what you're fighting against, amen? You can't fight the enemy until you know what you're fighting against, all right? All right, let's do this. Um, the devil knows exactly how to trigger your anger, your insecurities, and your fears. And so you need to know where the line of sin is so that you don't go over it. Let's look at Proverbs chapter 4, verses 14 and 15. This is what Proverbs said. Now, what is Proverbs? Proverbs are nothing but a book of wisdom. And so I'm going to give you some wisdom here. Do not enter the path of the wicked. Do not walk in the way of evil. Avoid it. Do not travel on it. Turn away from it and pass on. Now, what does that mean? That means just exactly what I told you. If there is any hint, any hint that you are heading down a bad path, remove yourself from it. That's what this proverb is saying. Avoid it. Don't travel on it. Don't even put a foot on it. All right? If you sense trouble, immediately remove yourself. What does the Bible say? Resist the devil and he shall flee from you. Resist the devil. I got to, that many times that just means run in the other direction. If the devil's here, I need to go that way. All right. So remove yourself from it. All right. All right. So set up safeguards. We already talked about that on your phone, on the internet, uh, have social media boundaries. Do you know, again, uh, many, um, many affairs start on social media. Again, we've talked about uh, there's good stuff with social media, but there's a lot of bad stuff. And unfortunately, uh, it has cropped up a whole new way for people to have affairs because people get connected back to old girlfriends from high school and old boyfriends and people reconnect. And, uh, you know, again, social media is everybody's highlight reel. So you see your old boyfriend on there and man, he sure looks like he's got his life together. And, uh, he, he looks a lot better than my husband. He looks like he's having a lot more fun in life and like things are really going his way. And it looks like it'd be a lot more fun to be married to him than to be married to that doofus I'm married to. Be careful. Now, we laugh, but unfortunately, sometimes that's, that's the way our mind thinks. Now, who do you think's leading your mind that way? The enemy. Amen? And don't say things. Again, I cannot tell you how bad it is to say things. Um, my wife, I need to say things to build her up. And if I say words that discourage her and tear her down, then uh, those, those, that causes wounds I can't heal. Uh, and again, with her, it's about security. With me, it's about respect. If she says things to me that says, I don't respect you, I think you're a buffoon, I don't think you can do that, you know, that's what hurts a man, all right? So again, uh, there's a book that I highly recommend. And in fact, I wouldn't mind right now if everybody just wrote this down. His needs, her needs. I want to say the author is Harley, H-A-R-L-E-Y. It's an older book, but Brother Mike used it all the time in uh, counseling. He gave me a copy, and I started using it all the time in counseling. His needs, her needs. And this is exactly what it talks about. Because, men, you need to learn what builds your wife up. You, don't, you think you know, but you don't know because she's wired totally different than you. Ladies, you need to know what your man's needs are, and they're not the same as you because he is wired totally different than you, okay? All right, so um, let's see. Why fight a temptation in the future if you have the power to eliminate it 
today. So again, I may, you may think I'm saying a lot of extreme stuff, but I'm, I'm literally telling you, uh, if there is danger for you at work, then you need to get away from there. Again, if a different department, if you can't get in a different department, then literally change jobs, all right? Remove yourself from the situation. Resist the devil so he'll free, uh, flee from you, all right? Uh, go ahead and do the next scripture, 1 Corinthians 10, 12, and 13. Now, this is addressing two people. This is addressing the one who thinks he's okay and the one who knows he's not okay. All right, let's look at this. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. So this is the guy that thinks, oh, my marriage is great. You know, that would never happen to me. Can I say it to you this? The worst thing that can ever come out of your mouth is, that'll never happen to me. I'll never do that. Can I tell you that's the worst thing to come out of your mouth? The Bible says that pride comes before what? A fall. All right. Look at what else it says. Now, that's talking to the person who thinks they have it all together. Uh, that, that's talking to the self-righteous person that would say, oh, that's for sinners, and I would never do that. And you better watch it because you've got the greatest sin of all, uh, self-righteousness. Then it turns around and it talks to the guy who knows he's messed up. And this is encouragement for those of you that know you're messed up. No temptation has overtaken you except such as common to man. In other words, that temptation is going to come. And don't you think it's not coming to your house. It's coming to your house. It comes to all of us. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will also make the way of escape, that you may be able to bear it. So what does that scripture say to me? That scripture is saying that any temptation that comes your way, the Lord is giving you the power to get out of it. Now, does he make you use that power to get out of it? No. There is a way of escape every time you're tempted. But guess what? There's this thing called free will. And the Lord allows us to operate in free will. And so he says there is a way of escape, but whether you take it or not, that's up to you. That's on you. All right? All right. Um... So here's what I want you to do as I bring this to a close. Go to that next slide there, Matthew. I want you to answer this question honestly, not out loud, but this is kind of where everything I've been driving towards today. And you need to ask yourself this as people who are married to each other. And then if you say, well, I'm not married, I'm single, you need to ask yourself this question about yourself. In our marriage or in my life, if you're single, where are we or I currently most vulnerable to spiritual attacks. What does that mean? Does that mean that physically you're in danger of one of you having an affair? Is there strife in that area of your life? Or is it more of a thing where we, it seems like we fight all the time. We're just always at each other's throats. We're always yelling at each other. There's always strife and discontentment. Or maybe it's maybe you still got small kids at home. Maybe it's we can't seem to agree on how to discipline the kids. Whatever it may be, identify and be honest and say, where are we currently the most vulnerable to spiritual attacks? All right? Then what I want you to do, and this is how we're going to end today. Uh, and if you're not married, then I just want you to pray for yourself. But I want you to do this. I want you to hold hands with your spouse and I want you to pray for each other. Now, there was a couple, there have actually been a couple of couples that came to me Wednesday night and said, 
You know, you suggested, you challenged us a couple weeks ago to uh, pray together as a couple. And they said, we, we started doing that. Every morning before we leave, it's not a long prayer, but before we go out the door, we started praying together. And they said, I just want to thank you. It has made a huge difference in just our attitude for the day. It's affected our, the way we see each other. It's affected the way we interact with each other. And I would never would have thought just a small prayer in the morning before we go out the door would have made such a difference. But it, it has made a huge difference in our marriage. And I guarantee you, I challenge you, just try it. Start praying together. The strongest thing you can do and the best place to start is to pray together as, as a couple. All right? So I'm going to ask Julie to come. Uh, I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. And uh, I'm going to offer this opportunity first before we do that. Always want to give an opportunity. Uh, if you don't know the Lord, if you were to say today, Mark, I'm just not sure if I were to die right now, if I were to go to heaven or hell, I'm not sure. Uh, can I tell you this? The gospel says this, that Jesus came and he died for your sins and my sins. And he paid the price for your sins and my sins. And anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved today. Amen. So if that's you today, if you would say, well, Mark, I'm, I'm just not sure if I would go to heaven if I were to die right now. Uh, or maybe you say, I've never done that. Uh, listen, today's the day. Don't wait. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, if that's you, if you would say, I'm not sure if I would be in heaven or hell today if I were to die, just pray this prayer in your heart and your mind. Just say, Dear Jesus, I admit that I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. And Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And so right now, the best way I know how, Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Wash my sins in your blood and save me from myself. Now, every head still bowed, every eye closed. You prayed that prayer today for the first time, the second time, or the hundredth time, doesn't matter. If you're recommitting or if you said it for the first time, would you just lift up a hand? Anyone? All right. Then according to that testimony, everybody in here is a firm, strong believer in the Lord Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. So here's how I want to end today. I want you to stand and married couples, stand, come on, you can stand now. <laughs> and married couples, I want you to grab each other's hands. <coughs> Individuals, if you want to pray with a couple of you or you just want to pray by yourself, just pray for strength for you. But here's what I want to do, and I want you to do this out loud. You may say, well, I'm not comfortable. Well, just get over it. Amen. Uh, we need to learn to get comfortable with praying to the Lord. All right. And so it doesn't have to be a deep theological prayer, but just pray and ask the Lord to bless your marriage. And each of you pray for each other. And I'm going to use Chris uh, and Sarah here because they're on the front. But Chris, I want you to pray for Sarah. I want you to pray, Lord, would you bless Sarah? Would you bless her? Would you bless her? Would you uh, help me to be a better uh, husband to her and a father to our children? And then, Sarah, I want you to pray for Chris. And I want you to say, Lord, I want you to bless Chris. All right. So in other words, I, I want you to pray over each other. Okay. Father, I pray over every relationship in this room today, but especially 
all the marriages in this room, God. I know the enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy these marriages, but I pray in the name of Jesus that you would lift up and strengthen every single marriage, every single family, that it would be homes and families that honor God and that bring glory to God, Father. And I pray that, God, you would strengthen every family and individual. Lord, help these young people as they go through their life, as you bring people into their lives to marry. I pray that you give them the patience to wait on the one that God has called to be in their life. And Lord, that they would just wait on you and that God, they would say when they find that one, Lord, it was worth it. Thank you for bringing this one into my life. It was worth the wait, Father. And so thank you, Lord. May every relationship in this room bring you glory and honor in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. God bless you. I hope that blessed you.